Hello, my beautiful family. Come on in the room. I tried to tell you. I didn't try to told you. This precious series is just hitting different, and I pray that you are excited because what God is going to do on tonight, I believe this message is going to revive the revivalist. It's going to revive the revivalist, and if you don't know who the revivalist is, it is you. The message on tonight, I believe, is going to be so good. I just feel like I'm a man summoned and ordained to help somebody. And go ahead and take your screenshot. Tag us. Let us know where you are in the world. Thank you so much for all the birthday love. And can y'all believe we are already in May? We are already in May of the 2021 calendar year. And that means next month, June the 17th, a Thursday night, it's going up in the city of Houston, Texas, as we are having our grand reopening in person and, of course, online service. So hopefully, if, we, if you can, we can see you with us in person. If not online, you already know you are family. I am your brother, and it is time for us to get to the Word. Genesis chapter 12, I've read this passage of Scripture before, but there was something that the Lord revealed to me a little different during study time. Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to launch our reading at verse 1. It says, Then the Lord, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse you, and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Church family, I want you to notice how these two passages of Scripture seem to be intertwined with one another. Go from your country, from your land, from your family, from your father's house to a land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great. Go and I will make you. I want to make you but you have to go. Go and I will make you. There's something I want to make in you, but first you have to go. And I wonder, is there anybody under the sound of my voice who's watching this message on tonight that God has promoted you? God has promoted you. I'm talking about spiritual evolution spiritual elevation to where everything that you start to enter into is greater your joy is greater your your peace is greater your passion is greater your zeal is greater your wisdom is greater your understanding is greater your hunger is greater but we have not fully experienced this promotion due to us not following the promotional terms (laughs) due to us not following the promotional terms of exit. There's a blessing that is tied to this entry, but there's discomfort that's tied to the exit. And somebody right now is watching this message, and there is an unsettling in your soul. I'm talking to you. 
There is somebody watching this message. There is an unsettling in your soul, which is the text notification from your spirit to let you know you have been called. Did y'all hear what I just said? There's an unsettling in your soul. You know it. It bothers you when you try to sleep. You've been trying to push it off. You've been trying to ignore it. But there's an unsettling in your soul, which is the text notification from your spirit that you have been called. Church family, like I articulated several times before, there are a plethora of definitions and or descriptors that one could use in an attempt to articulate who our God is. And I'm not going to belabor you with the alphabetical constructs of the powerful names of God and the works of God. I I would like to bring front and center... I would like to bring to the podium tonight an attribute of God that a lot of us just breeze past, but I'm seeing it right here at work in our foundational text, and that is the attribute that our God is a God of levels. Can I get somebody to put in the room levels? There's there's levels to this. Our God is a God of levels. Therefore, since we are children of God, it is going to be imperative for us to learn how to shift from level to level. Don't miss this. If he is a God of levels and we are the children of God, it is going to be imperative that we learn how to shift from level to level. So that we won't end up mislabeling seasons. Maybe you're not in the season of waiting. You're in the season of washing. Maybe you're not in the season of waiting. You're in a season of washing. God is trying to wash that afterbirth off of you. He's trying to wash off what happened at level six and wash off what happened at level eight and wash off what happened at level 10. The danger becomes when we think we're in a season of waiting versus washing. Because when you don't think you need to be washed, you resist it. And you risk carrying the odor of a petty attitude to this level from a former level. Levels. He is the God of levels. If we don't allow God to deal with what happened at a certain level, we'll end up arresting God sent people and throwing them into the prison of possible offender. Did y'all hear what I just said? If we don't allow God to wash us, because you do know, just like the devil sends people, God sends people. The enemy sends people in your life to cause you to be stuck or to take you back or to blind you. God sends people in your life to give you illumination, to unstuck you, and to push you forward. So if I don't heal from the counterfeit from level six, I'll arrest any person that God sends as a possible offender. They might do the same thing. There, there, there are levels to this. Somebody say, don't skip the washing in the room. Don't, don't skip the washing. He is the God of levels. So, so I'm going to have to know how to shift from level to level. Oh, but there's a pressure for you to present yourself online like you're at one level when God knows you're really not. It is a pressure to present yourself like you're at level 15, but God knows in the secret places of your life, you're still wrestling with the afterbirth of level six. And I want to heal that. That's why I have allowed for there to be space in your life where I could address what happened from this level to that level so it won't get in the way of me taking you to the next level. And I know you may be thinking, I don't know. 
I don't know how to shift, Jay. I don't know how to shift. I like it here. I love it here. I love him. I love her, but I came here on tonight passionate and anointed and summoned by God to try to convince the people under the sound of my voice that God has better. (laughs) I feel this, y'all. I'm trying to calm down. God has better. And why you are trying to present an image of you being at a certain level, God is like, there's a whole nother level I want to take you to because small tweaks take you to giant peaks. You think it's this massive thing you have to do, and you are actually punishing yourself from a sin I already have forgave you from. They are levels to this. There are levels to this. I know that you have gotten comfortable with the dysfunction, but I have better. I know that you have gotten used to The lack of joy. Oh, but I have better. I know that you have gotten used to prolonged tiredness. Oh, but I have better. I know that you have gotten used to the pain due to that divorce. Oh, but I have better. I know that you have gotten used to insomnia. Some of us, you actually think if you could sleep for four hours, you got a good night rest. (laughs) If I could just get three hours, I'm good. I'm Gucci. If I could just get two hours... I'm good. Oh, but God has better because he gives his beloved sweet sleep. I'm talking about that type of sleep where you fall asleep in seconds, mouth open, snoring, and drooling. Good type of sleep. You wake up feeling all refreshed. When was the last time you woke up and felt like it was time to get up? (laughs) Not get up because, oh, I got to go back to work. Oh, I got to log back in. Oh, I got another Zoom meeting. There is better. God, God has better. I know you've gotten so used to the betrayal and the trauma. And here's the crazy thing about betrayal and trauma. They have a way of disconnecting you from you. But God reintroductions are the roadmap back home. (laughs) Did y'all hear what I just said? Trauma and betrayal have a way of disconnecting you from you. But God reintroductions are the roadmap roadmap back home. I'm trying to reintroduce somebody to a facet of God, an attribute of God that you possibly have forgotten. And that is he is the God that has better. He is the God that has better. I want you to start inhaling destiny and exhaling history. Could this be the reason why you feel like you can never catch your breath because you're only exhaling did y'all catch that I want you to start inhaling destiny and exhaling history and I wonder if this is why you feel like you can never catch your breath because you're only exhaling God has better everybody everybody wants verse 2 everybody towards everybody wants verse 2 I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Everybody wants verse 2. Everybody wants to be blessed. Everybody wants blessed relationships and blessed opportunities and blessed endeavors. And everybody wants favor, favor on their marriage and favor on their singleness and favor on their platform and favor in their career. Everybody wants verse 2. But everybody's not willing to do verse 1. Verse 1 says, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to a land I will show you. 
I need you to go because there is a cultural belief here. There, there, There is a pattern of thinking here. There is a mindset and traits here that aren't in alignment with your destiny. So I need to take you over there. Don't miss it. There is a certain cultural pattern. There is a certain cultural philosophy. There is a certain cultural ideology over there. But you have not been in this world to conform to the world. I have called you to be the solution, not the pollution. So if you want, verse 2, are you willing to do verse 1? I have better for you. I have better for you. God is saying, hey, Abram. I got better for you, bro. I got a promotion for you. But first, you got to get out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have a, I have an assigned place for you. But, but first, you got to get out. Abraham, I, I have exposure for you. But first, you, you got to get out. If you want, verse 2. You have to be willing to do verse 1. I have better. I have a kingdom algorithm. That I'm trying to infiltrate on your life, but it is going to require for you to come out from your country. To come out from your country. Because you cannot experience the overflow blessing while cohabitating with Broadway patterns. I cannot experience the overflow blessing while cohabitating with Broadway patterns. This is what I'm trying to do in your life. I'm trying to take you to another level. I'm trying to take you to another realm. I have a work that I need to do in your life, and it's going to require for you to be intentional because the seeds of evolution must be planted in the soil of intentionality. If I was a note taker, I'd write that down. The seeds of evolution must be planted in the soil of intentionality. If you want to experience verse 2, you're going to have to be intentional with letting go of verse 1. Intentionality. I'm I'm trying to promote you. I feel the Holy Spirit talking to somebody. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to promote you. I'm trying to take you to another level. I'm trying to upgrade you. I'm trying to make your name great. I don't mind if your name is great. I'm trying to make sure that you blow up because when you blow up, people look up. When you blow up, people look up. God doesn't have any insecurity issues. God doesn't feel like they're getting too much. I don't mind if your name is great. My name is already great. Matter of fact, I'm going to attach my name to your greatness. I'm going to attach my name to your greatness so that when I introduce myself to other people, when you are dead and gone, I'm going to introduce myself as I am the God of Abraham. Y'all better come get me. I'm going to tie my name to your greatness and introduce myself as I am the God of Abraham. And I can't speak for anybody who's watching this message besides myself, but that's the type of legacy I want. That's the type of church I want where God is like, listen, I am the God of Jerry. (laughs) I'm the God of Jerry. Did you see all those miracles and that miraculous work that I did in his life? Yeah, that was me. I'm the God of Jerry. You saw all the people who were coming to me and they understood that I still want people who live by the original kingdom agenda. You saw how he was preaching that week after me, week after week. Yeah, I did that. I did that because I'm the God of Jerry. I'm trying to convince somebody on the night that God has better. God has better. If you want 
Brother Favor to walk in the room. Sister Obedience must be honored in the room. Because favor and obedience are siblings. Did you hear me? Favor and obedience are siblings. Favor and obedience will open doors that you never had to knock on. And everybody wants verse 2. But I want to know on the night who is willing to do verse 1. Because God has better. So God, right now, right now in this very moment, would you help us understand that control is an illusion? Would you help us, God, let go of the wheel and trust where you're taking us? Even if the road is bumpy, even if the road is a road I never have been down before, I trust you more than I trust my desire, my feelings, and my will. And I trust, God, that you have better And I want to experience it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you put in the room, amen. Amen. While you're putting it, go ahead and tag somebody else. Amen. At John, God has better. Amen. At Candace, God has better. Amen. At Blake, God has better. Would you encourage somebody? Let's do a virtual encouragement session. Encourage somebody. Just start tagging somebody. Look all up and down the thread. Find somebody. At whoever, God has better. At whoever, God has better. You're going to be encouraged on tonight that what you see is not where you're going to stay because God has better. God has better. I feel as though my assignment on tonight, my assignment on tonight is I want to help somebody. I want to help somebody whose faith has gotten the wind knocked out of them. It it could be due to loss. It could be due to the pandemic. It could be due to an ugly divorce. It could be due to the valley of regrets. It could be due to unhealed issues. And unhealed areas of pain that you never talked about. Things that you're dealing with in the dark. The only person who knows about it is God and you. The only person who knows about it is God the offender in you and you. The only person who knows about it is God the person who molested you and you. And you're dealing with these unhealed areas, these areas of pain. And it is cause for your faith to get the wind knocked out of you pain because you do know what pain does right pain will cause for your wounds to take the wheel of your focus please listen pain will cause for your wounds to take the wheel of your focus and whenever wounds drive depression will soon be a passenger trying to help somebody on the night I'm trying to help somebody on the night. God has better. But you don't believe anymore. You don't dream anymore. You don't have petitions anymore. You don't have hopes anymore. You really don't even have goals anymore. Could it be due to all of the premature announcements? Because premature announcements sometimes are infected with the fear of embarrassment, which has crippled your faith. And so now I don't announce things anymore. I don't dream anymore. I don't have desires anymore. And I don't speak the language of faith anymore. I don't speak the language of faith anymore. And you know what the enemy does, right? Anytime you end up at this place, the enemy always sends a distraction in the form of something from your past. (laughs) 
This is so powerful, y'all. Have you ever noticed that? Like as soon as you make your mind up to go hard for the Lord, like you like go hard, I go home, go hard, like you ready, like I'm ready to go hard. As soon as you make up your mind to go hard for the Lord, here comes something from your past. And it works both ways. As soon as you're like, you know what, I'm done with all that church stuff. I'm done with all that Jesus stuff. Here comes somebody from your past. I'm like, see, I told you, girl. See, I told you, boo-boo. All that church stuff doesn't work. As soon as you make up your mind, I'm going to evolve. Here comes somebody from your past. And I've noticed every single time you try to bury something for the purpose of kingdom advancement, the enemy will always send you somebody with a shovel. <laughs> he will always send you somebody with a shovel. I came here tonight to try to encourage somebody. God has better. This message, this message has been customized by heaven to revive the revivalists. Before the pandemic, as I was traveling, church after church was saying, we need revival, we need revival, we need revival. But here's the thing, you are revival. You're looking for a move of God, you are the move of God. We need to start having revived women and revived men. This is revival for the revivalists. You had no idea when you woke up this morning that your steps would be strategically ordered. You had no idea when you logged on tonight, you thought you were just going to catch on the pressure series. You thought that you were just going to continue to watch this series because your friend tags you. You thought that this was just a stream. This is not just a stream. This is an encounter. This is the day something in you is going to be revived. I'm speaking it. I'm declaring it. This is the day that something on the inside of you will be revived. Something in you died last month. Something in you died last year. But I believe that God is saying, I'm going to revive your joy. I'm going to revive your peace. I'm going to revive your passion. I'm going to revive you from watching pornography. I'm going to revive you from your secrets. I'm going to revive you from that pain. I'm going to revive you because I'm not done with you. And suicide is a lie. Suicide does not end pain, it just transform, it just transfers it. It doesn't end it, it just transfers it to your mama, transfers it to your daddy, to a brother, to somebody who loves you. Oh, but tonight's message is going to revive the revivalists. I feel the king of glory in this place. I know he's here. You know how I know he's here? Because he gave me a promise. He gave me a promise in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered in my name. Let me check real quick. Where two or three are gathered in my name, and I see that we have more than two or three people who are gathered here on tonight. So the atmosphere is ripe for a miracle. His message is to revive the revivalist. And I want us to understand that regardless of what you're facing, regardless of what you see, God has better. I didn't even give y'all my title. I would like to speak <laughs> for part five of this pressure series around this thought from this subject. Seven signs that God has better. Seven signs that God has better. Can I get everybody to drop this confession in the room? The reason I'm preaching so hard and I'm sweating each and every week is because I believe for you and your life, God has better. Regardless of what phase you're in, I believe God has better. Confession time. Can I get everybody to drop this in the room in all caps? God, I trust your timing. I trust your pace, your renewal, your removal. You have better. 
I feel all that in my soul. One more time. God, I trust your timing, your pace, your renewal, and your removal. You have better. You have better. Abraham, Abram, leave. Leave this land. Leave. Leave your people. And leave your father's house to a land I will show you. And I will make your name great. Everybody wants verse 2. But who is willing to do verse 1? He is a God. We're seeing it right here in the text. We're seeing that he is a God of levels. Abram, if you want to go to this level, it's going to require for you to unlearn and leave that level. This is not just I understand in the text it's about location, but I want to drive this home. If you want God to take you to another level, what current level is underfeeding you? If you want God to take you to another level, what on this current level is distracting you? If you want God to take you to another level, what on this current level is causing for you to waste your time? Because he is a God of levels. He is a God of levels. He is the God of progression, not speed, but he is the God of progression. He, he has the highest degree in engineering. <laughs> he, he has the highest degree of engineering. Engineering your behind the scenes to even work out for your benefit. Is there anybody watching this message that you could just pause for a second and reflect and you say, I know the only way I got here is somebody had to be engineering something. The only way I still have peace, somebody had to be engineering something. The way that that worked out and the way that that didn't work out, somebody had to be engineering this. God has the highest degree in engineering. He is the God of levels. No season is wasted. No time is wasted. He's the God of levels. Now, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God will, for, God will ever violate your freedom by taking away your free will. God will never violate the freedom of free will, but he will freely place signs and indicators on your path. That if you have the wisdom to choose them, they will help you with your purpose. Did y'all hear me? God will never violate the freedom of free will, but he will freely place signs and indicators along your life journey that if you can listen to wisdom's call, you can make choices that are beneficial for your destiny. This is why I preach so passionate. This is why I sweat out my clothes. This is why sometimes I project my voice. This is why I clap my hands. I do this because, number one, I want God to get the utmost glory in my life. I want God to get the utmost glory in my life. I understand what I do is critical. This has nothing to do about me. It has everything to do with the times, and there seems to be a famine of sound biblical teaching. I'm not striving to be popular. I'm not striving to be popular. Christians were not made to do what is popular. But if we become popular, it should be because we do what is unpopular. 
<laughs> I'm not striving to get likes. I'm striving to be obedient because there's a remnant in the earth that are looking. How do I go and how do I grow in God? How do I embrace spiritual evolution? How do I learn a prayer life? And how can I discern God's voice from the voice of the enemy? I still believe in the miraculous. I still believe in casting out devils. I believe in that. So I do this because I recognize it's necessary. And I want God to get the utmost glory in my life. Number two, I do this because I want God each and every week. I want the Holy Spirit to use each and every sermon to cause healing, growth, and discernment to hit your heart. Because how you heal is tied to how you see. Listen, if my heart is broken, my focus will be broken. If I'm stuck in life, it's because of what my eyes are stuck looking at. I hope y'all are getting this. I need healing because how I see is tied to how healed I am. How I see is tied to how healed I am. If you only look at your problem, if you only look at your problem, your heart will start to have a problem with your faith. And so when faith tells your heart that faith is believing and acting like everything that God said is true, your eyes will start to have a problem with your heart. And will say, okay, uh, based on what I'm seeing, your faith is lying. So then your heart will turn around and tell your faith, you're a liar. <laughs> oh, this is why now I understand why the text tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. I understand now why it tells us that we walk by faith we don't walk by sight because if I only focus on the problem then my eyes are going to have a problem with my heart and my heart's going to have a problem with my faith so when faith tells my heart that faith is believing and acting like everything God said is true the eyes are going to start telling your heart that faith is lying because based on what I see that doesn't match with what I see but we walk by faith, not by sight. This is why I told us last year, I told us last year, the opposite of faith is not fear, it's sight. So here's the quintessential question for you. What are you looking at? <laughs> what? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the pandemic? Are you looking at your problems? Are you looking at your failures? Are you looking at your secrets or are you looking at heaven? Maybe this explains why you have so much anxiety because of what you're looking at. Maybe this explains why you have so much fear because of what you're looking at. Maybe this explains why your lust is so strong because of what you're looking at. I know that you cleared your history, but that didn't clear your lust. What, what, what are you looking at? Maybe this is explaining a lot of what's going on in my heart. It's because what I'm looking at. And maybe I feel bound because I have friends and I have a circle that we're all looking at the same thing. <laughs> we're all looking at the same thing. I had a household that we're all looking at the same thing. Could it be possible, Abram, everybody in your house, they're all looking at the same thing. All of my friends, we're all looking at the same thing. And I'm trying to convince a people under the sound of my voice to look to heaven. I'm trying to convince a people under the sound of my voice to look to God 
What are you looking at? Maybe that's why that breakup hurt so bad. Because you were looking at them to cure a void on the inside of you that only God could feel. Yeah, you know why I hurt so bad? You put God weight on mere men. You think they, they said they will always be here. They said they would never leave. God is the only one who said they would never leave you nor forsake you. What are you looking at? Somebody put in the room, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the grapes? Are you looking at the grapes? Or are you looking at the giants? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the grapes? Or are you looking at the giants? Let me give you a Bible. When they reach the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole community, whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. Somebody put evidence. Somebody put evidence. Showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. That just means this is a land that is agriculturally rich. It does flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit, evidence. Here is its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Let me unpack this. Let me unpack this. So the children of the Israelites, they came out of Egypt. The reason I have to unpack this is because I always want to be appropriate with exegesis, not eisegesis. Exegesis is searching the scriptures to see what God is saying about himself. Eisegesis is when I'm searching the scriptures to make them agree with myself. Okay? So exegeting this passage, they left from Egypt. They've crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground. God has been showing them wonders, a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. God is just showing off. I mean, he's, he's raining manna from heaven, giving them quail. God is showing his wonders. And so now they have reached this place, which is the promised land, Canaan. And they're, they're exploring out this land. And as they're exploring out this land, remember, they were in the wilderness, but now they have a chance to spy out the promise. And they come back with evidence. They come back with evidence that, watch this, this is evidence that God has better. This is evidence. All we have known is sand in our sandals. All we have known is dust storms. God has been providing, but this is evidence that God has better. What are you looking at? The evidence that God has better are the giants. This is so powerful. What are you looking at? The grapes are the sons and the descendants of Anak. I'm trying to convince somebody on tonight God has better. He has better 
for you than depression. He is better for you than that pain. God has better. It's so powerful because they were able to go to the other side and then come back to the current side and say, hey, this is the evidence of the other side. This is evidence that God has better. And I wish it was possible for you to see this is evidence that God has something better on the other side. Oh, God has better on the other side of this pandemic. God has something better on the other side of this divorce. God has something better on the other side of you crying all night. God has better. But what are you looking at? The grapes or the giants? Grapes are one of the most used fruit throughout the Bible. I researched this. The most fruit that you will see used throughout scripture is figs, olives, and grapes. In fact, if you look at John chapter 15, verse 1 of the NLT version, it says, I am the true grape vine. I am the true grape vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, you have to understand, in biblical times, how they would get wine is by crushing grapes. Okay, and wine is symbolic of joy. Please don't miss this. You have to listen. We're going a little deeper. You got to understand this. Grapes is symbolic of the potential of you having joy. This is evidence from the other side that if you trust my timing, my pace, my renewal, and my removal, I have better. Wine is symbolic of joy. Give you more Bible. John chapter 2. Most of us have heard this story before, but I want to break it down. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. I was like, could y'all just imagine being Jesus' mother? <laughs> just imagine, like, he left his sandal in the middle of the room. If you wasn't the son of God, if you, if you wasn't the son of God, Jesus, they ran out of wine. Why does that concern me? If you wasn't the son of God, boy, I just <laughs> if you wasn't the son of God, so whatever he says, y- y'all do it. Whatever Jesus says, y'all do it. Now, verse 6, now there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they came and filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, And did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to them, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the the guests have drank well, the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Now, I was reading this this week and I was like, how do you run out of wine? Like my wife and I, when we got married... Everybody had to RSVP. And the reason you RSVP'd for um, after the wedding is so that we can know how much food to have. We got, we got to have for the reception. We got to know how much food to have for everybody. So I'm wondering, how in the world do y'all have a wedding? Y'all inviting Jesus and his disciples, and y'all ran out of wine. <laughs> I wonder, could it, could it be somebody at the wedding 
was greedy. Y'all know how them people are. You gonna eat your roll? Let me have another biscuit. Go up there and say you want a piece of chicken. Go up there and give me another piece of chicken. Don't worry about it. You ain't considerate, ma'am. We have to feed all these people. And you talk about give me another piece of chicken. They got more in the back. I wonder was there anybody there. <laughs> I wonder if there was anybody there who was taking advantage of the joy. And then, then I'm like, sometimes at our wedding, there were some people we didn't expect. There were just some people. They weren't unpleasant surprises. They were pleasant surprises. And so since we didn't expect, we, we gave you some food. I wonder, have you been giving your joy to unexpected places? How, how do you run out of joy? How, how do you run out of joy? And in this text, I'm seeing that Jesus is the one who makes sure that even when you feel your joy is running out, I don't get glory out of you. I don't get glory out of you embarrassing yourself. I know how to put your joy back. I know how to put your joy back. What are you looking at? The grapes or the giants? If I could give an acronym for grapes, it would be God's reserved appointed place exclusively secured. If I can give an acronym for grapes, it would be, you know what this is? This is evidence of a God-reserved appointed place that is exclusively secured for you. It is the proof I have better. While you're looking at the giant, while you're looking at the descendants of Anak, I'm trying to convince somebody on the night, look at the grapes which is symbolic, there's something better on the other side of this. Seven signs that God has better. Number one, the sign that God has better, this might shock you, frustration. <laughs> he was like, yeah, God has better. What is it? Frustration. You don't think God uses divine frustration? Oh, yes. Frustration can be excellent motivation. Because frustration is a revelation of a person, place, or thing that you have outgrown. You're frustrated because you no longer can wear that. The attitude, that lust. Your boyfriend can still fit it. But this frustration that you're, oh, y'all not catching this. Your boyfriend can still fit it. But the frustration that you're feeling is because God's saying, I have better. I, I have some grapes. I, I have a God-reserved, appointed place that's, that is exclusively secured for you, and this ain't it. This ain't it. So you're feeling frustrated on the inside. What you're dealing with right now with your platform, you want more from it, but you're surrounded by people who only give you hands, but they don't give you heads. They don't think. And so now you're exhausted because you got to explain. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. Well, no, we'll try that again. And so you're tired and you're frustrated because I'm surrounded by hands, but I'm not surrounded by heads. I need people who can think. Frustration. Frustration. But look, don't get it twisted. Frustration doesn't always mean relocation. Because what the enemy will try to do is make you label education as frustration. I don't know why this is rhyming. I told you all a few weeks ago, I need to drop an album. I need to drop an album. You will mislabel the frustration, but God is really trying to give you education. So you're like, you know what? Well, I'm going to quit. But God's like, no, don't quit that. I need you to pick up the heart of people because I've had too many people up here who loved crowds, but they didn't love people. So this pandemic is exposing there are a lot of pastors who only did it for the likes and for crowds. And now I don't know what to say because I got significant from your clap. But now what are you doing as just a camera? 
<laughs> I, I, need, I need to understand sometimes it's education. Frustration doesn't always mean relocation. Just because it's hard doesn't mean quit. Just because it's uncomfortable doesn't always mean quit. Because callings, callings and comfort zones will never be romantically involved. Sometimes the answer isn't changing your scene. It's changing yourself. Ooh, we man. Sometimes the answer is not just changing your scene. It's changing yourself. Everybody wants God to move. Move on my marriage. Move on my church. Move, move. Maybe the problem is God is moving, but you're moving too. <laughs> I need to educate you right here. It's not time for you to move there yet. You haven't got this principle of discipline yet. No, I don't need you to move yet. You haven't got this principle of character yet. Moving, moving. When God is trying to move, and sometimes that causes for us, sometimes that causes for us to forfeit a harvest that's coming because you left before it ever sprouted through the soil. It's powerful, y'all. If we're not careful, we will not understand that this is just transition, not just for the purpose of frustration. Hear me. There is a gap that exists between the promise of God and the manifestation of that promise. Do you have Bible to corroborate your claim? Yes, I do. I'm glad you asked. Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. That is the promise. And then there's a 25-year gap before the manifestation of that promise. This is how we have people who are extremely anointed, but their anointing doesn't match their lifestyle because they don't understand anointing does not always mean position. Anointing does not always mean platform. There is a gap, not because God is punishing you or hanging it in front of you and saying, ha ha, look what I got. No, it's for the purpose. There's some stuff that I need to take out in the gap. There's some things I need you to learn in the gap. There's some principles I need you to apply in the gap. The oil on your life, the oil on your life and the anointing is so you can know you're heading in that direction. The gap is to get your head to start thinking in that direction because it's possible for your anointing and your head not to match. You don't think. You ever see somebody really anointed, but they just make dumb decisions? God tries to give us a gap. And it's that season of obscurity where God is dealing with all the stuff that he does not want to end up on the shade room. He does not want to end up on Google. He does not want this to end up on social media. So I give you a promise, and it's going to manifest itself, but there's a gap where I can work on you. Powerful, y'all. Frustration. What are you looking at? The giants are the grapes. Number two, the second sign that God has better is the lack of edification. The lack of edification. When a place no longer edifies you. Y'all wouldn't believe this, but there was a time in my life when this used to edify me. Anybody else? I have a sneaky suspicion that there's somebody else watching this message, that this used to edify you. Either this or your mother's breast, or whoever breast to nurse you. This or breast edified you. But now, you're in a certain season, and you're in a certain place of your life where this no longer edifies you. The pandemic exposed a lot of churches were giving you this, but it no longer edified you. A revelation of your purpose will cause you to look at a relationship and recognize it's only giving me this. 
But this no longer edifies me. Edification in the Greek is okadom. It literally means the building of a house or temple. Okay? It means to build up a house or temple. So if we put this in proper context, does this church build up my spirit? Does this relationship build up my spirit? Does this community build up my spirit? Does it edify me? Let me give you Bible. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. It says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. One of the signs that God has better is when certain things no longer edify you. The wilderness is no longer edifying, so I'm showing you you're about to get grapes. So good. Number three, here we go. A sign that God has better is when you feel like you have to repaint the flag. When you feel you have to repaint the flag. Here's a question. Do you love with the paintbrush? Ooh. Do you love with the paintbrush? Every time God shows you a red flag, you repaint it. You can't love the red flags out of people. You can't. And so sometimes an indicator that God has better is when you're constantly trying to repaint flags. You constantly, oh, no, they could, they could do this. Well, no, it's not like that. Yes, it is, ma'am. Why won't, why won't he act right? I just don't understand. Maybe he never was right. Why won't she? Maybe this never was right for your assignment. It's nothing personal. It's spiritual. It's nothing personal. It's spiritual. Do you repaint the flag? But here's the thing. Storms have a way of revealing what you painted. Storms have a way of making the paint fall off. So even though you repainted that red flag to orange, yellow, and make it pretty because you want to post it, a storm or a pandemic has a way of showing you that's a red flag. Repaint the flag. Fourth sign that God has better, peace absence. When peace is just absent, there's no peace. There, there, there is no fulfillment of calmness in your, stole, in your soul, just a constant turbulence. Now, you have to understand, God gives us peace that surpasses our understanding. That does not mean the elevation doesn't come with turbulence. But it does mean on the inside, I still have a stillness. There could be chaos all around me, but peace in me. But when there's a peace absence in me, this is a sign God has better. Because the place I'm taking you is a God-reserved, appointed place, exclusively secured for you. And it's going to give you peace. The fifth sign that God has better is closed doors. Gosh, I'm trying to normalize this celebrating hallways. Closed doors. I don't even have a time, I don't even have time to unpack all of this. I was gonna show you Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 6, when Paul was about to head somewhere, and the Bible says the Spirit forbade him. But I want you to see at verse 9. Verse 9 in this particular text, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought out to go to Macedonia, to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord has called us to preach the gospel to them. If I had time to unpack verses 6 through 10, you would see that they were going to go somewhere, but the Spirit forbade them. 
Maybe the closed door is because God wants you to go to another, di- another direction. If we could learn how to trust when God puts us in hallways. It's not punishment. Closed doors are submerged in the same amount of love as open ones. Closed doors. Number six, a sign that God has better, removal. How does God do this? He gives you a wilderness. The wilderness is for the purpose of detox and drop-offs. There are certain things I need you to get out of your life because you learned them in Egypt. And there are certain people that never let go of Egypt that have to stay in the wilderness too. Seven signs that God has better. Number six, removal. And last one, the sign that God has better is next level exposure. It's when somebody comes over. Please listen. Somebody comes over from the promise and shows you grapes. The reason their ministry has grapes, the reason their platform has grapes, the reason their marriage has grapes is not for the purpose of you getting jealous, but it's for the purpose of you taking notes. It's for the purpose of you taking notes. This is what is on the other side. This is what is on the other side. And God always drops next level in front of you before he next levels you. Abram, go from your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. Everybody wants verse 2, but everybody doesn't want to do verse 1. I wanted to challenge you on the night. Are you more concerned about the pressure of you looking at your level 15 when God wants you to have a life where you're actually experiencing the level of fruit? So God, would you give us the strength right now? I feel your presence. Would you give us the strength to trust your timing? You do not violate the freedom of free will, but you do freely place signs in front of us that if we can get wisdom like this, we can learn how to identify those signs. And we pray, oh God, that you give us the passion and the boldness so that we can exit, even though it comes with discomfort, so that we can walk in the entry, which comes with the blessing. And thank you for the gap. We don't pray this enough, God, but thank you for the gap that exists between the promise and the manifestation. Because in the gap, That's where we get to learn you so that we can value the promise giver more than the promise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.